Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids, a podcast that steps into alternative education, parenting, and living a funner, fuller family life. I'm Robin, home educator, unschooling mom to two funny, eclectic kids, and we're here to create a space for families to listen, connect, learn from others, and be inspired. Join us every two weeks to hear interviews and tips from experts in learning, education, and parenting, and stories from families that are playing full out in the arena of life and education. World schooling, unschooling, alternative schooling, homeschooling, or just creating a whole new style of learning. Welcome to Honey, I'm Homeschooling the Kids. My name is Robin Robertson, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast, and I truly appreciate you being here. Listening to this episode or any of the other episodes that are out there, thank you for being a part of this community. Thank you for supporting this work, and thank you as well for supporting and encouraging other home educators, homeschoolers, unschoolers that are on this journey as well. That's one of the reasons why I created this podcast. I had questions and doubts and fears, and I wanted to learn more and be encouraged and build further community. And as I went further in this journey and in time homeschooling, I met so many others that felt the same way. And so this podcast is a platform for the community to grow, to be encouraged, to be inspired, to be heard, and to access resources and information that I feel is needed in this home learning journey. So one of the things I also appreciate is the feedback. And one of the ways to do that is to leave a review. And honestly, leaving a review not only offers me encouragement and insights and tips, how I can improve this podcast, how I can continue to in- to support the community and also encouraging me to continue this journey. It also helps the podcast to be seen and heard. And so I'd like to give a shout out and read a review today as well, one or two that I truly appreciate. So this one is from CGAD7 and it says diverse perspectives. It's not often I get hooked on a podcast where I want to play every episode, but this is one of those. When I heard Robin as a guest on another podcast, I was intrigued and looked into hers. I started from episode one and made my way through them all. Wow, thank you. I love the diversity of perspectives she brings with her array of guests. Within that diversity, Robin has the gift of finding that common thread of honoring children's individuality and the idea that children are capable learners outside of the constraints of institutionalized spaces and curriculum. Wow, thank you, CGAD7. This, uh, you got it. (laughs) That's exactly what I hope to do, and I truly appreciate that. Uh, Here's another one, Great Listen, Bale SVC. This podcast is fantastic. I'm new to homeschooling, and I've learned so much just by listening to the conversations provided. I'm so inspired to take the leap into homeschooling and really appreciate hearing so many different perspectives. Listening along has been been so enlightening. Thank you, Robin. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate the reviews. There's many more and I'll continue to read them. And I just wanted to share uh, two today. Another way that you can also help to support the the show is by becoming a patron. By joining our Patreon community, you can help to support the show and the costs it incurs to bring all of this wonderful, these resources and these interviews to you, but also you get support and I get a chance to connect with you, which honestly is always my favorite thing to do. I offer 
live Q&As every month to my Patreon community. We I host a live Q&A at the end of the month through Zoom, as well as share my resources. I've created things like my game schooling guide or my home educating with purpose workbook or things like my son and I worked on, on sharing and creating um, his scientific animal journal that he's used over the years as well and getting feedback from you on those things as we create them. So those are a few things, plus extra interviews that might not come to air on the show or videos that uh, happen during my interviews that I can't really share on an audio format. So you can go to patreon.com slash honey, I'm homeschooling the kids to become a patron. I've decided to continue leaving it open for all levels to access my Q&A um, throughout the end of, to the end of this year, uh, 2022. So definitely join and enjoy. And it's a direct access to me too. So you get a ton of support. Otherwise, I also just wanted to share that now it's November and we've just finished up my last masterclass, my last for this this fall, Homeschooling with Purpose. And oh my goodness, I feel my cup is filled. The parents that were part of this past masterclass, always, all the parents are phenomenal. And really, I just really want to say thank you to everybody that took part. I feel encouraged. I know everyone who took part felt encouraged. And I'm going to continue this masterclass because it offers support. And I know if I feel this good and the conversations that we have and the support that we can give is essential, I want to continue offering that. So if you are listening now and you'd like to be part of the masterclass or the upcoming, the next one, definitely join my wait list. Just email me or contact me through my website and just say masterclass wait list. You'd like to be part and I can put your name on the wait list for the next one that's up and coming. I have not yet chosen the next date because I might do another one um, before my plans for the July one. So just let me know and I will add you to the list. It's definitely worth it. In the meantime, if you do need support, I have opened up my one-on-one coaching calendar. So I am offering one-on-one homeschool support. So if you're looking for support, if you're considering taking this natural learning path, or you're already in it and you're at a bit of a standstill, maybe you feel a little burnt out, you're at a loss of what to do next or what direction to go, reach out and I'm happy to to provide that support because I get it. I've been there as well. And I know I wanted a mentor early on that understood what it means to take the unbeaten path Um, and continuing. I definitely have mentors that I reach out to and connect with still. So it is so important on this journey to have that. So you can go to my calendar. I'll connect it in my show notes and book a call and receive support, whether it's just one call or I offer a one-on-one five-week program as well, just myself and you to help you identify and clarify your family values and guiding purpose, work through the de-schooling process and getting unstuck and looking at your year ahead and how we can incorporate the everyday environment into our natural learning journey. So you can go to my website, Go under about and under coaching and find my calendar and book from there. All right. So now for this episode, I'm actually just going to tackle a question that I've received and I think it's worthy of an episode here, especially opening up into our month of November. 
There's more fantastic interviews coming up, but this is the opening sequence. For the question on the doubts and fears around something like self-directed learning, following the natural learning journey, or child-directed education, you know, the fear that, you know, Robin, what happens? The fear that my kid will grow up unprepared for this world. That's my greatest fear. That was what a parent had said to me. And then it's again going to be all on me that I didn't force them to take this other path to better prepare them. That I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be the, to blame for all of this as well. So is that a fear that you're concerned with? I think that's a fantastic question. Such a good question. And you're not the only one that has that concern or fear or doubt. I think many parents that are looking at this journey of self-direction are unsure or feel uncertain about that or feel scared because, you know, the biggest thing is we want to prepare our children to be capable, to be prepared to be adults in this world. And what if self-direction doesn't allow that? So, you know, often when I share a definition of unschooling or of self-directed learning, I tie it into the, the learning part, kind of the school-reflected learning part, because I find that's just easier for most people, because that's what we're kind of thinking of. We're still in that mindset of school. So usually the definition of unschooling that I like to share is that the learner chooses the how, what, where, and when of their learning, and it's their internal why. They're motivi- motivated by their own why, not by the parent's why. But here's the thing. It's actually so much more than that. That's just a narrow view of the learning process or the school-defined learning process. When really unschooling or self-directed learning encompasses building and developing capacity to solve complex problems. And I think in our life, usually those complex problems (laughs) are our relationships, relationships with others and relationships with ourselves. This is at the heart of self-directed learning. And as parents, when we're building or supporting self-directed learning, I think the very thing that we're doing is laying that foundation to develop and build that capacity for relationships And working on building a foundation for positive relationships with others, especially our immediate family members and ourselves, is important because that capacity, that problem-solving capacity, really is essential for living life as a capable, independent adult. So self-directed learning, we are helping to build or lay that foundation that allows for a safe space to try new things, to make mistakes, to fail, to learn from those mistakes, and to get up and try again. We're building a foundation of relationships and relatedness because then that allows us to be respected, validated, and I'm saying we as the learner, so even thinking about our, say, a focus on our children, that they're respected, validated, and loved for being just themselves, not for the work that they're producing, for the grades that they're getting, or the showy outlooks for other people on their accomplishments. 
when you are validated and respected and loved just for who you are, then you will try new things. You will make mistakes and not be worried about trying to cover them up to because you feel wrong or because you didn't do them perfectly. You go into it knowing that mistakes are possible and that's a great part of the learning process. You are still going to be appreciated and loved through all of that. That is then going to encourage you to continue trying and making mistakes and then sharing them. And when we share and communicate those things, then that circle continues of building that relationship, that trust, which is absolutely essential in self-directed learning, and as well, that communication and connection. I think that is often the foundation that's missed in unschooling or self-directed learning. We think about it as the school or academic portion when really it's about building relationships, building that connectedness, and therefore that capacity to develop and commitment to solving those complex problems. Really, the biggest complexity is ourselves, isn't it? If we had ourselves completely figured out, the world would be an easier place, wouldn't it? So, you know, but then parents will say, but come on, like, how is this really going to support any academic learning? That's what they need. They're going into maybe college, university, and they need those academic skills. Okay. All right. Let's look at it this way. I see it does support academic learning. And here's why, especially as you get older and you're in a place like college or university. You know, when you focus on building that foundation at home first of relatedness, connectivity, safety, you're willing to try to make mistakes, try new things, you know you have the space to continue the consistency to keep trying and trying and getting better and better at something, and having that space and conversation to share your your fears, your joys, what you love about yourself as well, it allows you as again, say you are children, to allows them to begin to understand what they value about themselves. And when they internally understand what they value about themselves and see what's valuable about themselves, the inside will show on the outside. That's really the goal as well. So when it comes to something like academic learning, self-motivation is key. When you begin learning for yourself and your internal motivation, instead of learning for, you know, what a a teacher has set out or what a parent has set out, it becomes a different capacity, doesn't it? Your goals are different. Your motivation is different when it is your own internal purpose, when you really truly understand that meaning of why you're doing that, when you're motivated on your own. But I want to share with you some insights on how this relates to academic skills, which I know really so many parents want the academic skills to relate to their adult world or to job skills or to something like university. Well, university essentially is supposed to be preparing our students for the workplace, right? So did you know that 79%, 79% of employers right now are saying that social emotional skills are the most important qualities for job success? 79%. So what are those social emotional skills? So these are the things that young people need to build essential life skills. Things like problem solving, empathizing, communicating, and managing their own emotions. 
So I find it interesting that employers are saying that these are the skills that they need and are looking for, not things like being able to recite their times tables by heart or being able to give data or historical dates on certain um, events within our world. Now, I want to give you a little bit of perspective as well, too, a little bit of further information that I'd found. And I actually will link these studies and these reports in the show notes. So just just go to that, and I will link them in the show notes. There was a 37-country study report that was showing that about one-third of the 35,000 employers interviewed for this report, for this study, were having trouble finding workers with the right skills. Okay. And... Including in that, they also interviewed nearly 3,000 employers and 1,000 education providers in nine countries. And the report was that 42% of employers believe that graduates are prepared for the labor market. So 42% of those employers interviewed said, yes, graduates are prepared for the labor market. But compared to 72% of educators that said that graduates are prepared for the labor market. So the employers said that, 42% of the employers said that yes, graduates are prepared, while 72% of educators said that yes, they're prepared. So there's a difference there. So another interesting part of that is, you know, the concern that students are missing some of the cognitive or academic skills needed for the workplace. And that was part of the concern and that there is literature and evidence showing that, you know, test scores are going down and mathematical knowledge or reading and writing skills are going down. You know, we hear that a lot right now with, you know, big gaps in learning. But the interesting thing about the employers is that they were saying that actually, that the idea of the skills that were needed for the workplace, that the, our understanding has to go beyond that, it has to be wider than that for what they're looking for. And here's what the employers, the report said, that the employers said was most valuable for the workplace right now. And these were the things to look out for. Interpersonal skills, followed by trustworthiness, leadership, and perseverance. While educators identified knowledge as the most important skill for the workplace. So I just want you to take a moment to think about that perspective, especially when we're really trying to hone on on the idea of, okay, I'm worried that with self-directed learning, my kids won't be prepared for the real world or for the adult world beyond them. And so I think my focus should be on these academic or these specific knowledge skills would really, for the adult world, being prepared for the adult world and what the career or workplace is looking for are not those specific knowledge skills. It's actually that wider perspective of the world, things like self-awareness. So parents, I just want to leave you with a bit of insight on this as well and reflection on this. And one, I understand that this is also sometimes what becomes hard. These ideas are more qualitative to measure than quantitative, meaning that things like academic work and skills, like being able to assess a reading level or evaluating or having a rubric to assess writing or writing levels, or really um, having a worksheet or test to see your math or your math practice, or um, being able to recite your times table, those things are 
quantifiable. So they're easier to measure, to really see and understand, or to really, okay, I'm going to give the test to see if they can do this. So that just makes it so much easier. While the other part of building self-awareness and communication, um, self-reflection and understanding, those aren't as quantifiable. So they're not as easy to give that product or to give that mark or grade and say, okay, you've got this. There's something that takes commitment and time to develop and practice. And so when we're looking at self-directed learning, it really is very much a shift in perspective and understanding of these skills. But I also encourage you to look beyond of, to the why. You know, what the purpose for the specific academic skills that maybe you're trying to enforce in the home, maybe even if you understand them better of, okay, where is this going to really um, show this practical application or support our young people to be capable participatory citizens in our world? If you are able to properly explain and define that, maybe that will then, once you're able to do that, you can help your kids to understand that when you're able to really truly define and show that as well. So here's a few things that you can do um, and that do relate to building self-directed learning skills or social-emotional learning skills that I hope you can see then translate to that academic part that maybe you're very concerned about. Here's a few specific examples. So if it's something like the umbrella of literacy, reading and writing, I think really our goal is, and if you refer to that interview with Cindy Gaddis, where she talked about her shift in perspective for supporting her literacy with her kids was she just wanted them to have a positive relationship with print. It wasn't their reading level. It wasn't their score on this certain thing. It was just having a positive relationship with print. Because really what that is doing, we're talking about building capacity to solve complex problems, something like that and shifting our perspective on that kind of goal then broadens the capacity for our kids to just enjoy reading. And ways that we can do this and where it still is a huge part of the literacy umbrella is having those discussions. And again, we're going back to self-directed learning, looking at that as building the foundation of relationships, 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 relationships. And this is what I always talk about for our masterclass um, or supporting families is de-schooling and self-directed learning. It's all about relationships, relationships, relationships. So it is supporting that foundation so that our kids can begin to understand and see the value that they have in themselves. And when they feel valued, we're opening the, the, the door for them to feel, feel safe to engage in discussion with us and building that positive relationships. On the other side, that also means active listening on their part, on their part, which is a huge part of literacy. And that allows our kids to start building a better understanding of who they are, what they represent, and sharing what they're going through with us. And then in doing that, that increases discussion as they build that understanding of self and their relation to those around them. So when we're looking in a context of, say, reading and writing, what's happening is, is 
Maybe there is a story that we've watched in a movie or documentary or a book we're reading. And within those discussions, our kids can maybe say, hey, in that story, that kid looked like me. Or I felt that before that they were talking about. I know what that's like. Or I've never felt that. I wonder what that would be like or how that would feel if I had to go through that. That is a huge, that can be a big part of the discussion. Bringing those deep conversations about those themes because it's talking about how our kids are maybe living that experience, living that out in their life, or maybe how they would like to learn more or reflect how they are feeling or could feel if they were living that out in their own life. That's broadening their capacity in that specific aspect of literacy as well. Okay, one of the other parts of it as well is it helps them to see using those themes. It helps them to then see and be part of community, to engage in society in a participatory way. And there's so many ways that they can do this and that we can support them from a young age as well into adulthood. Okay, one of the ways, so I'm going to give a few examples, sharing in the joys of others. This is an easy thing we can do even with our young ones, sharing in the joy of others and building that in the capacity of our home and self-directed learning, you know, celebrating those, that joy in many different ways, talking about it, um, watching it, experiencing it, or just, uh, you know, celebrating it with others as well. Identifying aspects of themselves that they're proud of and talking about that. We can start doing that from a very young age all the way through. You know, here's what I see and just love about you in the everyday. What are some things that you love about yourself in the everyday? When they're younger, they can also, we can also help support them in having conversations about key social situations. And the ways that we can do this when they're younger, for example, is helping them with vocabulary when they want help with something, how they can ask for help, how we can show gratitude for something that, uh, for, for what we see or what we felt or experienced or done, or as well showing concern in a way that uh, also opens up conversation and discussion in an open way. This in turn helps them to create those pathways that then lead to when their, you know, prefrontal lobe starts kicking in, that executive functioning is kicking in later in life. That doesn't happen until quite later. It doesn't happen in the early years. So if we're expecting them to be extremely self-directed under the age of 12 even, um, I think we do need to shift our perspective as well. You know, our brain doesn't fully form until the age of 25. We know this. And, and our, pre, our, our frontal lobe is one of the last parts, our executive functioning. So if we're expecting our 6-year-old, our 9-year-old, our 11-year-old to be completely self-directed, I think maybe we need to um, step back a bit and be willing to support and help them a bit more because sometimes that can be a bit unrealistic as well, especially just what we know from brain development and neuroscience right now as well. But there are things that we can do to help create those brain pathways that then will help when those executive functioning skills kick in. And that part of them is to help 
Our children understand the world around us by having conversations like that, sharing in the joys, being able to communicate concerns or asking for help, but also other things like establishing rhythms. Um, it doesn't have to be a strict schedule and routine, but establishing rhythms like maybe something that you do during the week as we wake up and we have some hugs and we sit down on the couch and we do read aloud time. Or maybe I know some families that the kids slowly wake up and have breakfast together. Or maybe there's just a small bites on the table that they can, and books on the table that they can just look through and eat a little bit as everyone wakes up. I know another family who's says actually for them, the best thing for them is to go outside as soon as possible instead of, you know, snuggling on the couch. And that just helps them, those that need to move and they can have their space outside to move their bodies. Those who don't, but maybe want to read or have something quiet, they can have maybe a little space by a tree or somewhere that's set up or in a blanket for them to feel cozy and to do that. But you can all be together outside. Or maybe it is waking up and then having breakfast together and being engaged in cleanup together. And those are rhythms that can be created that are um, a soft framework that our kids can also expect to be to build that relationship and togetherness as well. Another way that we can do this is providing opportunities for them to contribute to those rhythms so that it's not just us creating and planning those rhythms, that they're part of it. So talking about it with them and what they'd like to do in the morning or how they usually feel and how we can support them best in that. So maybe that is, maybe the, the rhythm, they want to feel like they're more of a part of helping the family or supporting the home. And that might be after the rhythm of snuggles and read alouds and then breakfast everybody does a little bit of fun cleanup together. Or maybe they help cook breakfast or lunch with you. Or maybe it's something like just moving furniture around and they get to choose how it's most conducive for them in a certain activity. Maybe it's creating art to decorate your home and to hang on the walls or to put in certain spaces. It's important for our children of all ages to know that their contribution is valuable and that they are a large part of the home and the way that it's maintained. Because then that translates to how they are a large part and participant, a participant in society as well. Starting from within, starting from our home and broadening out in outside of the home community and the rest of society. And as they expand out to being participatory citizens of our world, you know, that we can do this also from a young age by participating in community, uh, community events where they can give back, where they can know that they matter and what they're doing matters and makes a difference, whether that's community cleanup, uh, visiting our senior center, um, maybe being part of an event and organizing an event or volunteering in that. Um, celebrating, even that can be as simple as celebrating customs or holidays within your own family or community. And that allows you to have that connection to customs or traditions that then become part of the yearly rhythm as well, or a monthly rhythm. All of those create meaningful, I love the word I saw, I was reading lately is brain architecture. And that is creating that brain architecture of self as well and self-awareness and um, contribution is an important part of self-directed learning. 
And really, that helps provide that architecture for the long term for our kids to be valuable members of this society and to feel that they are valuable members of society. And that connection, that question of, you know, are are children growing up to be unprepared? These are big ways that even from a young age all the way through that we can help prepare them for life. And here's a last tip I want to encourage and leave that we can do to support self-directed learning in our home from a young age all the way through to, you know, young adulthood, teenagers is, and it sounds so simple. And again, this is like not a quantitative measure, but it's experience joy and laughter within our home. Experience fun. A sense of wonder that allows a sense of wonder and curiosity. Support showing curiosity and asking questions. And so much of that is about why and how, the how and why that of things happening in our world around them. And really appreciating the joy, laughter, fun, and the how and why of how the world of the world around them allows our kids to really support and establish that foundation for their own self-directed learning. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love to hear feedback. Just email me, um, join my newsletter. That's a, a great way. And you can always do a direct reply to me. I share a lot of this and more as well within my newsletter. Just go to my website and sign up or contact me through my website or social media. Uh, and I would love to hear your thoughts. Take care. Thanks for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share, leave a review or comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts, ideas, and reflections on the episode. You can go to the website, imhomeschooling.com, or email me directly, robin at imhomeschooling.com. 